Welcome to the Green Zone Podcast, the show that teaches oil and gas executives how to take command of their finances and live in the green. Your host, Jeff Green from Green Financial Group, will be your financial guide, all while giving you a tour of the most beloved and best kept secret spots around Houston, Texas. Now, on to the show. We've got a very, very special guest with us today, Brian Westbury, who is Chief Economist at First Advisor Trust. He is written up in all kinds of publications. Brian shows up on Fox News, Fox TV, Fox Business, Bloomberg, CNBC, stations in Canada. He's everywhere. He was Chief Economist for the Joint Economic Committee of the U.S. Congress in 1995-96, named the number one economic forecaster. Uh, back in 2001 by the Wall Street Journal. Why you have not been named number one for the past decade, I have no idea. But with that, ladies and gentlemen, I give you Brian Westbury. Hey, thank you, Jeff. It's, it is uh, great to be uh, with you. You know, winning those forecasting contests, it's, uh, it's almost like uh, downhill skiing in the Olympics. You know, after three runs, somebody is separated by somebody else by the third decimal place after the second. And, you know, you win by 0.002 seconds. And that's sort of uh, what goes on with those forecasts. So if you have a 6.2% unemployment rate and it's only 6.1, you know, somebody else missed it by less than that. So anyway, it was lucky uh, winning that year. But that year was also a recession. You know, a lot of people accused me of being too optimistic. But back then, I actually won that contest for predicting the recession in 2000, 2001. Right. Well, you're, like I said, you're number one here at Green Financial. <laughs> Happy birthday today. Oh, uh, it is. Your whole birthday to come hang out with us. Thank you so much. <laughs> it, uh, it lets me forget that I'm having a birthday. So <laughs> I'm happy about that. <laughs> Thank well, you, though. Yeah, well, good. Well, let's get right into it. So I, I had uh, sent out to some of the clients, some of my clients, you know, hey, send me some questions back. There's been a common theme of different concerns clients have had. And I kind of want to just kind of hit on some of those with you. And first being, there seems to be a little bit of a disconnect between the stock market and the economy. So right. we like Home Depot, for example, the stock do very, very well. Uh, the mom and pops out of business to some degree, not all of them, but they have been, you know, they told the mom and pop she had to close, but Home Depot got to stay open. Right. So we've seen some of that, but is the stock market accurately reflecting the fact that some of these mom and pops will never come back? Yeah, I, I, Jeff, it's a great, great way to put it. I, I am worried by the way that many mom and pops restaurants uh, won't come back. Now, some of them, I mean, it's, some of them, it's, it's not awful. In other words, if you ran a successful restaurant for 35 years, worked 13 hour days, seven days a week, uh, you were already looking for a way to kind of retire and you know, stop and your kids didn't wanna take it over. And this was the perfect excuse. So that's a, that's a good uh, or, or, or the best outcome, I guess we could hope for. The other ones, if you're not allowed to open, if you can only have half of your of your restaurant filled, it's it, a lot of these companies are never going to come back. And and that's why I believe it's going to take years before unemployment comes back down. But to go back to the uh, the stock market, uh, you're absolutely right. Home Depot, Target, Walmart, Costco, they were all allowed to stay open, considered essential, and and they won out of this. 
Uh, but we also had a whole group of companies like tech stocks that won. And here's the way I look at the tech stocks. We had six years of growth in six months. You know, we, I mean, look at what we're doing right now. I mean, I, you're sitting in your office. I'm actually sitting in my house, but we're able to connect. And that means these tech stocks have won. Theaters got crushed, but Netflix uh, went through the roof. And I'm not saying, you know, go buy Netflix. I'm, I'm not saying that. But you know that they won in this process. Right. And, and, and in order for these companies to make it in the S&P 500, even if they're not tech and if they're not the big box stores, they, they, were, they were in pretty good shape. I mean, I'm not saying every single one of them had a perfect balance sheet. Lots of them didn't. But the, the fact with interest rates so low, the cost of capital came down. Uh, and on top of all of that, and this is something we have to remember when we look at the market versus the economy, at the bottom in April, and when we run our models sort of in reverse, if you will, we said, okay, the S&P 500, I think it hit 2280 or something like that. And it's now uh, over, well over 3000. But, but if you put that number into our model with a discount rate, we, then we say, what is the market saying profits are going to do? And at the bottom in April, the market was saying profits are going to fall 80%. And we thought that was way too much. And it turned out that in the end, in the second quarter, profits were down about 20% from a year ago. So the market overdid it to the downside. And that's one of the reasons why it's bounced so hard to the upside. And it seems to be doing better than the economy, but that's because it did worse than the economy originally. Makes a lot of sense. And along those, so along those same lines, you know, granted we've seen a pullback in the market these past few trading sessions, but so prior to that, and even right now, would you say that the market is, you know, overheated, you know, fairly priced? Uh, where, where would you say that the market is in terms of valuation? Yeah. You know, these last three trading days have been, uh, you know, a big drop. But we have to remember the NASDAQ still up over 20% for the year. The S&P is still up over 4%. And the S&P, it, it was up well over 50% from the bottom before we had this last couple of days. And if we want to call it a correction, I, you know, I, I'm not a technician. I, people can call it whatever it wants. It, it had run so hard with really never looking back. And now it's just, you know, it, this happens to markets. There's volatility. Having said that, if you go back to last Tuesday, Wednesday, before the market had, had corrected, I guess is the best word I can use, uh, we thought the market was undervalued. One of the key reasons for that is that interest rates are so low. And so the lower interest rates are, the more profits are worth. And, and even if we put, you know, so right now the 10-year treasury is about 0.65%, 0.65. Uh, even if we put a 2% 10-year treasury in our model, which I think is, you know, these interest rates are artificially low. Uh, we put 2%, it still said the market was undervalued. That doesn't mean that it's going to go up every day until it hits fair value. Uh, and we can have these kinds of, of pullbacks. So the market was frothy in the sense that it had run really hard, but it had never gone to overvalued, uh, like at least in my opinion. Now, there are some people who think it did. I don't. And so there's a difference between running hard, you know, being up 50% in six months and being overvalued. 
so yeah, it ran hard um, and uh, and it was frothy in that sense because you can't do that forever. And then you get these kinds of pullbacks and, you know, people that were waiting to get in, they were scared to get in. This is the kind of time to start taking nibbles and taking bites. And if it goes down again, I mean, get in a little bit more, you know, it's time to bring some of that cash off the sidelines. And I think people will, I think this market will return and go back to new highs. When you look at earnings, it's almost as if the market doesn't even care about 2020 earnings. Uh, right. Like, they're meaningless. And it's kind of looking out to, to 2021 earnings. And, then, and by the way, the, in our opinion, too, the market was just due for a yeah. bit of, it made quite a bit of run. Jeff, Jeff just, to, just to put an exclamation point on what you just said, I think you are absolutely right. You know, the market discounts the future. And, and if we thought we were going to have a really ugly 2021, the market never would have done what it did. But most analysts, and, and it actually the, a lot of these analysts look at from company to company, so they're going bottom up uh, looking at earnings, and then you aggregate them all together. And, and when you do that, next year, 2021, right now is expected to have all-time record high corporate profits. And some of those numbers are way up there. Um, and I won't, you know, get into that prediction game, but, but all the people that look at these companies from the bottom up are saying earnings are going to hit a record level next year when we look at the S&P 500. That's good news. So let me, you know, without getting, you know, too political, you know, many of my clients uh, are very concerned about the upcoming election. So could you give us your thoughts on the continued economic recovery regardless of who is in office, uh, you know, come, come January next year. And, you know, right. Maybe the potential outcomes of, of whatever administration is in there. Yeah. So, so in order, let me, let me just say something real quick in, in a lead in to this. Um, and that is that the amount of spending that the United States government has done in response to this bailout, you know, the, the coronavirus, first of all, when you force businesses to close and then people to be unemployed, constitutionally, if you will, legally, that's a taking, you know? So this whole takings clause, and it's about, you know, taking your land to build something for the city. And, and you have to be justly compensated for that taking. And so I, I look at this spending as, a, as just compensation for the for the forced closure of businesses that doesn't make it all this whole thing right or anything but but that's sort of the the moral ethical legal way i look at this nonetheless we're going to have trillions in debt that our kids are going to have to repay now a lot of people go and look at this and say you know debt's now over 100 percent of gdp we're going to collapse as an economy and I have never believed that, okay? We can handle this debt. The carrying cost is what we have to look at. And the carrying cost is, is actually lower this year, believe it or not, with all of this debt than it was last year. And it's because interest rates are so low. Now, I still believe that we should issue 50 and 100 year bonds to, to pay this back. It's gonna take us decades to pay it all back. And if we can, finance it over the long term, that's going to help uh, the economy in the future. Um, and so let's hope that that kind of thing happens. Now, the economy, we were at three and a half percent unemployment back in February. I do attribute part of that 
to the tax cuts that President Trump was able to move through Congress um, and deregulation. I believe that was to, there, that's why we were able to get down to three and a half percent unemployment. But the sheer size and scope of the government, the amount of spending, kept us from having three or four percent real growth. We were still running around two and a half percent was a little bit better than when President Obama was in office, but, but not a lot. And I think that had more to do with the spending burden on the economy. And so we have that today. You know, no matter who wins or who you know, loses, uh, we have this bigger government. And that's, that's a ball and chain. On the, it's a wet blanket over the economy. So now we have to assess if uh, Joe Biden wins the presidency. On the surface, he said he wants the Green New Deal. Uh, he wants Medicare for all. He wants to raise taxes. And, and people use the $4 trillion number, but that's stretched out over a decade. We have to remember that. I'm not, I'm not downplaying it, but it's, it's not a $4 trillion tax hike in one year. But all of those things would be, I believe, a burden on the economy. Now, could we eke out a little bit of growth? Probably, even with that. Um, it, you now, if President Trump wins, we're not going to do any of those things. And I think we will grow faster. So I do believe that President Trump is better for the economy in the future. And not that anybody should really care, but in 2016, um, I said that Donald Trump was going to win and beat Hillary Clinton. Uh, I'm, I'm saying the same thing today. I do believe he is going to win. And then, you know, I know that uh, oil prices, et cetera, are important to a lot of your uh, clients. And, you know, the Green New Deal will not be good for that. It, it is it, it, literally they want to they say they want to shut down fossil fuels. Now, I don't know how you do that. The U.S. economy. I mean, look at California. Uh, they're shutting off the lights. And I think a big, big part of that has to do with solar and wind and, and trying to move to a Green New Deal in California. And I think that's going to have an impact. And uh, just like these protests and riots are going to have an impact, uh, just like people, you know, missing college football and and, and not having their kids in school. All of these things, I think, are going to boil. They're, they're underneath, and that's the pressure cooker. And I believe that they, they cause people to lean toward President Trump. You know, having said that, it, it's a lot, of, a lot of people say we're going to go, you know, just like Sean Hannity used to say about President Obama, uh, that, you know, it's going to be a depression. I don't believe they can get a full Green New Deal or Medicare for all or a massive $4 trillion tax hike through uh, even a Democrat Senate with the, with the unemployment rate at 7 or 8%, which is what it's likely to be next year. So, so I just don't think the, the worst case policies uh, would happen, even if the new president was Joe Biden. But I actually believe that President Trump will win a second term, and that stops that from happening. Well, even if, let, let's say, Biden does win and the House or the, the Senate, it, we're, we're bound to have some gridlock there anyway. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes, I mean, if we just look back in history, and I, I'm, I'm not trying to say this will be okay. You know, I, I, I'm not voting that way, but I'm a libertarian. I, I just want smaller government. That's, that's what I want, all right? And so some of the things that uh, Democrats are talking about go completely against my view of what's good for the economy. I'm not trying to be political. I'm just telling you where I'm coming from. And you can't, can't get away from politics right now. And so people can be mad at me for that or not. I'm, 
I'm not embarrassed to say it. I'm, that's what I believe. I'm a libertarian. But we don't think unemployment is going to get down below 4%. And we started off the conversation talking about mom and pop and small business until 2023. And it, is all, it, it will be really hard to pass a big tax hike if the unemployment rate is still 7%. I've never seen it happen before. It would be against all of history. Uh, and I, I just, and Republicans in, in that scenario uh, where the, they lose the Senate and Joe Biden is the president, sometimes are even more effective as the minority, you know, in fighting. Obviously, all this will play out. But, but I, what I always warn people is, hey, go back to when President Obama was in the White House. There were all kinds of conservatives. You know, it's just like liberals right now. They hate Trump. And a lot of conservatives hated President Obama. And it's just sort of the way our politics is these days. But their worst fears never happened. Uh, and we didn't have a depression in the economy. And, and so when I look at where we are, I don't like those policy proposals, but I do not believe they will put in, be, be put in and passed uh, in their worst form or shape. So you brought up two things I want to follow up with you with. You brought up oil and interest rates. Let's start with interest rates. The, the Fed came out and said recently, hey, we're likely to keep interest rates low for a pretty long time. Yep. What see as the implications of that policy going forward? And, you know, I know you're, you're an economist, not necessarily the, the, the chief investment officer, but what would be, you know, uh, how, would, how would an average investor maybe profit or not profit from that kind of interest rate policy? Right. So first of all, I would not today own a long-term bond of any, of, of, I mean, you know, 10 or 15 or 20 year bond. I, first of all, you're not, the yield is, is I mean, it, I mean, at 0.6%, if you kind of think of an earnings yield, if you will, you pay $100 uh, for a bond and you get 60 cents every year. And, and so that means the bond is selling at about 130 PE ratio, right? So you pay 100 and you're only earning 60, um, whereas with stocks, you're getting about a 2% dividend instead of 0.6. So, so you're way better off being exposed to dividends. And I get it, there's volatility in prices, which there isn't in bonds, but you're only earning, you know, 0 0.6, 0 0.7%. And so I, I would look for other places, but here's the real worry because these low interest rates are coming with a huge uh, boom in the money supply and, you know, and a lot of government spending. So believe it or not, this is, uh, and this isn't directly the Fed, although they're buying the treasury debt to let us do it. But wages and salaries went down, right? We went from a 3.5% unemployment rate to we're at 85 now. Uh, small business uh, profits went down because we forced them to shut. Yet we put so much money through PPP loans, forgivable, and unemployment that personal income is actually higher this year than it was last year. And, and retail sales are higher in July and August than they were last July and August, all right? Yet our production, industrial production is down. So we have more demand and less supply, which we all remember from Econ 101 means inflation. And that's what worries me. So, so interest rates are really low, but I expect inflation to rise, which means eventually interest rates will rise as well. Now it may take a while. I mean, the Fed's 
said they're not moving rates forever. I mean, the rest of our lifetimes or something like that. Um, but, and they're willing to accept higher inflation and they're gonna get it uh, because they've printed so much money and we have this imbalance between supply and demand, which is partly due to the Fed printing money. So, so for fixed income, I look for alternatives. And you know, there, you know, you can get adjustable rate uh, loans that will move up as interest rates move up. We can do things like uh, MLPs. Uh, uh, I, I think apartments, and I, I'm worried about commercial real estate, but not private real estate, you know, apartments and condos and, and you know, uh, where, where we can generate a rent and an income. And so that's, there are places to get income that aren't all equity related uh, that, that I would really focus on. Now, I'm, I, I want to also say I am thinking inflation's coming. I would not go pile into, you know, 80% of your portfolio in gold or something like that, because I think gold is, is kind of overvalued today. If you look at it versus oil or copper or, or soybeans. Um, and, and I do expect those uh, prices to come up. Oil specifically, I think it's worth 50 to 60 bucks a barrel. Uh, we ran hard there. Now, you know, today I, I looked at it this morning, it was down like three and a half bucks a barrel, but I think that's temporary. There, the economy is slowly opening demand for gasoline uh, and, and energy and oil is going up. Uh, and, and as a result, I, I think that will continue and it's going to push these prices higher. So I like being invested in commodities, not all one, have it in a big basket of commodities, but uh, I think those prices will tend to rise in the years ahead. Yeah, well, so like the flight, I mean, like, I think you're seeing more people get on airplanes again now and more planes are flying, although airlines have announced a whole bunch of furloughs coming uh, October-ish, I guess, time frame. I know United Base here in Houston laying off a bunch of people. So, I, you know, I, I don't know if we're going to be flying as much as we were, and that, you know, then that comes back to, again, the use of uh, oil, et cetera, in, in, in traveling you know, around the world. Right. To me, I don't know, it kind of, you know, the price of oil should come up, but again, how much? Right. right. Yeah. I, I mean, Jeff, those are, I mean, those are great thoughts, perfect thoughts. And, and we know last year, two and a half million people a day flew at the bottom in April, it was down to about 90,000 people were going through the TSA checkpoints. It's now up and we've had a bunch of days over 800,000, but that's still a, only a third of what it was. And this is one of the things that we're going to see with the economic data. I've called it a, a square root recovery and you know so we have a, a kind of a v initially because because it can't get any worse than it was back in april and things do start to open up and some states have opened up others have kept closed so so we, we when we bounce we never got quite up to the to the previous top and then we're gonna then we'll then we'll settle down and slowly improve uh and the big question is how fast do we get back to normal and you know, I guess, you know, I'm not a big fan of this. I'm not, or I, and I'm not trying to predict, but if we were to get a vaccine that everybody was comfortable with, boom, the airplanes are full again, right? That's one play as an investor you might want to make. Now, un unfortunately, vaccines have become political just like everything else. And so it's a little crazy, but I do think we're going to get back to normal just like we did after 
after the Civil War, you know, after any of these of these crazy periods in history, but it's just going to take time. And so I'm looking at it in the longer term. Uh, I guess we could uh, ruin it by massively increasing taxes and and spending and and, and you know all of those kinds of things, but I, I don't expect that to happen. And as a result, I'm, I'm remaining optimistic, especially because I still think the market's undervalued. I get your concern on commercial real estate. I mean, who really needs to go to the office anymore? We got Zoom, right? So, I mean, why, why, go, to the, why go to the office? Right. Yeah, we all, we all want to go. I mean, humans want to have interaction. And, and the water cooler or the coffee machine or just wandering around the halls. I mean, we've all, everybody watching this is going to, you know, remember a time when they came up with a, a new idea to help their business just because they were talking to somebody over a, a, a cup of coffee, you know? And, and so we want that, but, and, and those business, those small businesses, you know, that, that I, I mentioned, you know, 35 years in the restaurant business finally just said, that's it. I'm done. Well, that's a, that, that was in a corner of a building in New York city. Now I'm not saying a restaurant will never go back in there, it probably will. It's a perfect spot for one. The, the former owner was hugely successful, but it takes time. And so, yeah, I think we are going to use less office space. Uh, we need less small business space right now. And then we'll just, it, it, we'll see how these things go back. Do we get back to normal or, or is, you know, every time we've had 9-11, we were never, people were never going to fly again. And then, then we got TSA and we locked the cockpit doors. All right. And boom, it was, and last year, a record number of people flew. So I, I, I don't know what it looks like. You know, I couldn't have told you TSA and lock cockpit doors were going to do it, but, but they did. And, and so this time it's going to, is it a vaccine? Is it truly effective treatments? Is, is it that it, it, the virus is gone because that's the way they tend to go, you know, follow a bell-shaped curve. But, but I do believe people will become less fearful and, and get back to more normal eventually. But there's parts that are going to grow slower and parts that are going to grow faster. Can't wait for normalcy. Hey, so one last question. I'll let you get back to your birthday cake. So regardless, mm -hmm. again, of who's in office, what's, give, us, give us your outlook for uh, 21. So first of all, in the third quarter of this year, uh, right now, the Atlanta Federal Reserve Bank, they take all the data as it comes in. It's exactly what we do at First Trust, uh, but they actually have a website. You can, anybody can go follow it. It's called GDP, Gross Domestic Product, GDPnow.com, uh, and, and if, or .gov or whatever. Anyway, GDP Now. And right now they're predicting 29% growth at an annual rate in the third quarter. So that's the V, you know, so we, we fell 31 roughly, and now we're gonna come back 29 uh, roughly, and these are annualized numbers. We're still not back to where we were, but we've, we've come back strong. But then we think growth slows down. Now it'll a little, be a little bit faster than normal as things open up. So maybe we get 4% growth, 5% growth, but that's not the trend. And then eventually we go back down to about two and a half. So next year, I expect a growth year. I expect profits to rebound and go back to new all-time highs. Um, and I expect the unemployment rate to continue to fall, but it'll still be over 4% by the end of 2021, probably over six 
Um, and then 22 and 23 is when it, when it slowly gets back to under 4%. So right now, I don't see anything interrupting the recovery uh, other than a complete shutdown again, if we were to do that. I just don't think we will do that because we're now looking around going, this was a, this was, this was kind of dumb, all right? We shouldn't have, we shouldn't have shut down like this. Cool. Hey, Brian, thanks so much for being here. We always appreciate it. Uh, can't wait to see you next time actually in person. Absolutely, Jeff, and thanks for the birthday wishes. Right, have a good one. Thank great, you. Great to be with you. Thank you for listening to the Green Zone podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Green Financial Group. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Securities offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. Green Financial Group is not a registered broker or dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. Jeff Green is the founder of Green Financial Group and is a registered principal of RJFS. The Green Financial Group is located at 6363 Woodway Drive, Suite 625, Houston, Texas, 77057, and can be reached at 713-244-3030. Raymond James is not affiliated with and does not endorse the opinions or services of his guests. The information contained in this report does not purport to be a complete description of the securities, markets, or developments referred to in this material. The information has been obtained from sources considered to be reliable, but we do not guarantee that the foregoing material is accurate or complete. Expressions of opinion are as of this date and are subject to change without notice. There is no guarantee that these statements, opinions, or forecasts provided herein will prove to be correct. Investing involves risk, and you may incur profit or loss regardless of strategy selected. Keep in mind that individuals cannot invest directly in any index, and index performance does not include transaction costs or other fees, which will affect actual investment performance. Individual investors' results will vary. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Future investment performance cannot be guaranteed. Investment yields will fluctuate with market conditions. The companies engaged in the communications and technology industries are subject to fierce competition and their products and services may be subject to rapid obsolescence. Sector investments are companies engaged in business related to a specific sector. They are subject to fierce competition and their products and services may be subject to rapid obsolescence. There are additional risks associated with investing in an individual sector, including limited diversification. Investing in commodities is generally considered speculative because of the significant potential for investment loss. Their markets are likely to be volatile and there may be sharp price fluctuations even during periods when prices overall are rising. Gold is subject to the special risks associated with investing in precious metals, including but not limited to price may be subject to wide fluctuation. The market is relatively limited. The sources are concentrated in countries that have the potential for instability and the market is unregulated. Investing in oil involves special risks, including the potential adverse effects of state and federal regulation and may not be suitable for all investors. Dividends are not guaranteed and must be authorized by the company's board of directors. 
The S&P 500 is an unmanaged index of 500 widely held stocks that is generally considered representative of the U.S. stock market. The NASDAQ Composite is an unmanaged index of securities traded on the NASDAQ system. Investments mentioned may not be suitable for all investors. The bond and dividend example are hypotheticals used for illustrative purposes only and is not intended to reflect the actual performance of any particular security.